Welcome to Giving Head, the podcast. Wondering what head stands for? What H is for happiness, E for empowerment, and D for development. This is the podcast that will discuss topics from the 40-year-old perspective. This is where we will help to navigate you through this new chapter of your life. I'm your host, Sherry, and my co-host is named Kim. To join this community, push the subscribe button to get all the latest head episodes. And to help our head message grow, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment as well. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Giving Head. H-E-D. Now let's get into it. Well, welcome to Giving Head, the podcast. We have Miss Terry Stewart. Too cool to be, what is it? T too cool. Terry too cool. <laughs> Terry too cool. I love that. On our podcast today to talk to us about all things finances, which is Lord knows we need this, this podcast episode and we needed it in 2020. Mm-hmm. But we definitely needed in 2021. Agreed? Yes, definitely agreed. <laughs> Welcome, <Absolutely>. Terry. <laughs> Good, thanks. Thank you both for having me on the podcast today. Appreciate yes. it. Well, we always like for our guests to start out with telling us a little bit about themselves. Where did you grow up and how were you raised and how did you come to this lovely thing called finances? Absolutely. So born and raised here in Bermuda, I spent most of my life on the east end of the island between St. George's, St. David's and Crawl Bay, Hamilton Parish, depending on which part of the parish you're in. Um, So I'm definitely an east girl. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to a private school to start in primary school. So I went to Bermuda Institute in my primary Mm -hmm. school. And then I also went to two public schools. So I went to Clearwater Middle School as well as the Barclay Institute. Okay to kind of give some background on my education as far as, you know, those early days. Yes. I did go to Bermuda College as well as Spelman College and Georgia State. So I have gotten some formal education. None of it is related to finances, though. So that's kind of like the number one thing that I want to talk to people and share with them is you don't have to have a background in finances to get your finances in order. I think the number one thing that you need to have is a desire to want to make sure that your finances are in order. I love that, Terry. Love that. Thank you. And so I guess just to talk about my upbringing, just a tad bit, I was raised in a single parent home um, by my mom, but my financial mind comes from my dad. And it's really interesting because my mom says, you're just like your dad. He likes to budget and he's always talking about, let me check my budget. And I'm like, okay, because I didn't, I wasn't raised by my dad. So that's not something that he taught me. It's just something that I guess when you talk about nature versus nurture, that's a more of a nature thing. I just happened upon it mainly because I didn't want to struggle financially. And I feel like in our community, we see that a lot. We see a lot of people saying, you know, I'm living paycheck to paycheck, money's tight. I can't afford Mm -hmm. to do that. And so that narrative is something that I never wanted for myself. So I kind of I would say I took it on late in my 20s, which is not really that late when you're talking about getting your finances in order. However, it is something that in the beginning, I felt a little bit ashamed about because you're like, you're smart, you're book smart. How could you not have your finances in order? Mm. And I think what's interesting about that realization for me was that everyone has a thing that they're like, I wish I did this better. I wish I was a little bit better at 
whatever that thing is. And for me, it was my finances, because as I mentioned, you know, as a smart person, air quotes around smart, you should have it all together. Everything should be peaches and creams for you because to everyone else, it is that way. Yeah. So that's just a little bit, I guess, about how I kind of came full circle to this space that is financial literacy. Mm, Awesome. (laughs) really awesome to be as young as she said to have that mindset because in your 20s you know it's live free and carefree so that is awesome that that would be something that you were interested in like I said at a very young age Terry so how did you transform into to that financial desire um, so, yeah, so I guess in my mid-20s, I had what I called a quarter-life crisis. I just turned 25, mm-hmm. and I was just over myself, right? I just really was at a point where I was like, this can't be my life. Like, this cannot be the way I'm going to spend the next 40 years plus of my life just looking at my finances and being like feeling defeated. Mm-hmm. I would ignore my finances from the perspective. I wouldn't check my bank account. I would play Russian roulette. I would go out with my friends and not be sure if I can afford to pay for this meal, to pay for this drink, to go on this adventure, whatever the event may be, because I didn't know if I had the money. I just wasn't even checking. And so I basically told myself, like, you need to get can I curse? Yes. I was like, you need to get your shit together. Like, I was like, you need to get this together because there's absolutely no, this isn't sustainable and this isn't what life is about. And yes, it happened for me, I guess, as you can say, as people might think in an early stage of my life. And I just got to that point because, you know, people talk about a midlife crisis and I kind of felt like at 25, I didn't want to have a midlife crisis. Like I want to have a crisis now. <laughs> so, right. that, you know, <laughs> if I, when I get to midlife, I feel a little bit better about my circumstance, my situation, because when you get at that midlife age, you kind of feel a little bit defeated and look back and like I had all of this time up until now to kind of get it together and I never got it together. So for me, it was at 25, I say enough is enough and we need to sort ourselves out. (laughs) That was good to have that at 25. Mm -hmm. So what did you do at 25? What steps did you do at 25 to prepare you for where you are now? So at 25, the first thing I did was I got a budget and I hated it. Like, I'm not even going to try to front and make anyone believe that having a budget was like the sexiest thing for me at 25 because it was <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> I was like, this is so mug, like why? But definitely getting a budget and really starting to see where I was spending my money because one of the unfortunate things for me at that time was I didn't know where my money was going. So I really could not make financial decisions that were rooted in facts. I was making a lot of financial decisions based on my emotions, how I felt that day or what I wanted to do. I wanted to feel cool. So I wanted to be able to spend this money. And I wasn't sure if I even had the money to spend. So the first thing that I did was get a budget. The second thing that I would say I did was I actually would sit down and do my budget. Because it's one thing to like say, okay, I'm going to have a budget and I'm going to stop on my numbers. And then you forget about it. And so you never Mm -hmm. come back to it. You're not holding yourself accountable to it. So I definitely started to, I call them abundance dates. Now at the time, it was just like a day to do my money. And (laughs) during that time was actually difficult for me to keep on it. I didn't have the discipline at the time. So there would be weeks where I wouldn't do it. There would be months where I wouldn't do it. And then I would come back and look and see I overspent. 
on things that mm. I didn't need to overspend on. It took me a while. It didn't happen overnight, but it did take me some time to get to a place where I could actually sit down and look at my spending over the last week, over the last month, and really kind of make adjustments. Because I feel like that's one thing that I struggled with as well, was not being able to pivot in the middle of the month because I had already spent my entire grocery budget. <laughs> so like, uh, how am I going to buy groceries on the last week of the month? Right, mm-hmm. right. I love the terminology Russian roulette. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of bad, but I never thought of it that way. It is. It's rolling the dice. It's, you know, you're going out with your friends. You're like, I hope this car works. You could try it, you know, but I've never heard the terminology Russian roulette. So that's kind of interesting, <laughs> but a very, I could see that. <laughs> Yeah. So for me, I had to make some things like relatable, right? Because I feel like when it comes to finances, people use really true financial terms. So they'll say things like, you know, you're in the black and the red, or, you know, they talk about their money in an academic way, which then makes it feel a little bit less relatable to you. So for me, I was like, I was definitely rolling the dice. I was out there gambling. And (laughs) unfortunately, there were some times where the house won, <laughs> where my yeah. car, where I ended up in the negative and yeah. I had to pay that, you know, you have to pay that extra fee for your account being overdrawn. And mm-hmm. so that's even more debt that you're incurring unnecessarily. So it helped me because it, it made it a game, right? And we like, okay. we like games and incentives. So it kind of helped me to kind of really put my mind into the frame of it's not as bad as you think it is, but it can be that bad. So let's not play this game again. <laughs> yeah. Well, walk us through some steps in regards to finances and how we probably should have pivoted maybe 10 years ago, but in this mature stage of our life, what should we be trying to do and what areas do we need to hone in on for ourselves? The very first one is the mindset. It's really about shifting your thought process. And I mentioned like, you know, there's negative self-talk that we say, I don't have it right now. I don't like paying this bill, money is tight, things like that we say so frequently, so frivolously, because that's our talk in our community. That's how we talk. So the first thing I talk to anyone about is shifting your mindset. It's getting at least three up to seven. If you want to go all out to like have 31 so that you have it every day of the month, get a number of money mantras that you can kind of repeat to yourself. I have some right now on my screen. One is success is my birthright or you can change success to abundance. I have financial freedom is another one that a lot of people that I've spoken to enjoy. And a third one could be, I'm grateful to pay my bill on whatever day that bill is due. Because when you start to shift your mind from a place of lack and poverty to that of wealth and abundance, it's really easy for you to kind of see your finances working for your greater good, right? I feel like that's what a lot of us think of our finances. It's allowing us to be able to do the things that we want to do in our lives. So definitely shifting your mindset is the first thing. The second thing is to track your spending. Now, no one likes this because it is laborious. (laughs) It's definitely, definitely takes some work, but you do need to see where your money is going. If you're making financial decisions from a place of you started off with $600 and you maybe spent $100 last week, you think you spent $50 the week before, but you're not really sure. So you're going to try to spend 
$500 on this next thing and not realizing that you've already kind of spent $150 already. So you don't have $500 to spend. You only have $450 left. So it's really taking the time at least once a week if you're just starting out. But if you're kind of okay with your finances once a month, but you want to make sure that you are tracking where your money is going each and every month. And the third thing I would say is when you budget, budget to make sure that every single dollar that you earn gets spent. So between now and what are we not? We're in January. For February's budget for that entire month, there is no dollar that's not spent anywhere. And when I say that, after you've paid your bills, you might have some disposable income left. Okay, restaurants are open right now. So you might decide that you're going to go out for dinner with your friends one night that um, next month. And now you have like, you might have $500 left over, $300 left over. Put that into a savings account. Put that in towards investments. Put that to work for you. Don't just let it sit in your bank account and you use it as your excessive spending. You use that to go buy yourself a purse um, when you don't need a new purse or you get a new pair of shoes when all the shoes in your closet are still good. Like, don't just have that money sitting in your account because that's a form of temptation. And when we're thinking about fixing our finances, we don't want to leave money out there and not have it working for us. So those would definitely be my top three is to really, you know, shift your mindset, make sure you're tracking your spending. And then as you budget, make sure there's no dollar that's not working for you. Okay, because when you said make sure no dollar is left over, I was like, what does she mean? (laughs) And I wanted to ask when you say, so for instance, you use that maybe you have $300 left over, go ahead and invest that or save that. What's your thoughts on perhaps using that to pay off another bill or things of that? Because sometimes we tend to maybe pay the mere minimum, excuse me, on a bill when we can really use that money to clear off that bill. So what's your take on that? But yeah, absolutely. So if you are in a space where you do have debt that you're trying to pay down, that's the like one of the first things you should be focused on before you start to do things like investing or in combination or simultaneously with building your emergency fund. I absolutely believe that you should pay down your debt first. There's two strategies that you can take. You can take the approach of paying down the smallest amount bill first um, and then work your way up to the highest. Or, you know, if you have interest rates attached to any particular bill, you could pay the one with the highest interest rate first. Um, Because I know how we are and we're emotional beings and there's a psychology around this, paying off the smallest one first gives you a sense of achievement. And Mm -hmm. so it kind of, it inspires you, it motivates you, you feel good because you were able to conquer this one debt. So if you do have, let's say there's an outstanding cell phone bill, that you haven't paid off for whatever reason. And that's $300, but this month you only have 150 extra. Put, if you can afford to do the whole 150, do that. If not, put $50 into your savings account and then the 100 onto the cell phone bill so that three months from now, if your disposable income is 150, you would have paid off that bill and you would have 150 in your emergency fund. Now, if you're someone who's like, I just want to get this thing done, then put the 150 on the cell phone bill so that within two months, you know, that cell phone bill is paid off. And then you can kind of reinvest that money into your savings account if you, that's the only bill that you have. Now, if you have more than one debt that you're trying to pay down, then kind of roll that money up. So once you pay off that first debt, 
that money that you're putting towards that first debt, you add that to your bare minimum for that second debt and you just keep following that pattern until they're all paid off. That's called the debt snowball method. That's the one that I kind of recommend because I, like I said, you feel really good when you pay off that first debt because you're like, <laughs> I no longer have to deal with so-and-so company anymore. So absolutely, I totally encourage folks to do the debt snowball method when they are mm-hmm. looking at debt pay down. Awesome. And anything in regards to or your thoughts about, like I said, this mature side, you talk about emergency funds. Mm -hmm. I would like some points on that. And what about pensions? What's your thought about pensions? So when it comes to building an emergency fund, I talk about this in kind of two categories. I talk about a cash reserve, which I think you should have at least $1,000 in. And that's for like, you know, someone knocks your car and you have to get your mirror replaced. Like it's not too much money, but it's not money that you expected to pay. So I think having like a separate savings account that has like up to at minimum $1,000 to kind of just draw on. So you're not tapping into your budget money because that's what I feel like a lot of us do. We tap into our budget because we don't have that cash reserve set up. So that's like the first savings account that I like to talk about. And then when we talk about our emergency fund, that's when we're looking at having three to six months of our expenses set aside should something happen to our primary source of income should we not be able to kind of earn that revenue the way we have in the past we have at least three to six months of our expenses kind of tucked away in an account that we can draw on should we need to now with the emergency fund i recommend that if people can put money into what i call a voluntary retirement package. And so this is separate. If you have a full-time job, most people have a pension through their full-time job. So that's like your primary pension. And then look at things like voluntary contributions, which you can do through your employer, through that current pension scheme that you have, or you can look at other options. There are a number of investment companies on the island that have investment products that will allow you to kind of put some money aside. The one that I use is through IFP. I forget their like full name, but I'll send that to you because it's local here in Bermuda. And they have two options where you can do a monthly contribution or you can do a lump sum. For the monthly contribution, the lowest they allow is $300, which when you think about it, some of us can find $300 that we're spending excessively on things that we don't necessarily need that we can put towards something like this, no matter what age we're at, because I have signed up for a 20 year program and I'm currently doing, I can't remember how much I'm doing, but I started, I want to say just after my birthday last year. So like maybe July through August of 2020. Mm -hmm. And when I checked it in December, I had already reached $5,000. And I had to put $5,000 into it. So I was able to almost double my kind of contribution and investment through this package. Now, it's not something I'm going to draw out anytime soon because it's meant to be retirement. But there are ways for you to, you know, supplement your retirement because that's one of the issues that I've heard from folks here on the island. It's like, okay, well, I'm putting into my pension, but I don't think my pension is going to be enough for me to retire comfortably. So Mm -hmm. there are other ways for us to do it and be strategic about it, right? Because we don't want to put money into a voluntary contribution or a separate 
retirement product and find ourselves feeling stressed financially. So this right, is something right. that I recommend you do if you're at a place where you have debt that you're trying to pay down. You're finding it difficult to put money into an emergency fund or build your cash reserves. Like I wouldn't recommend that you get started like right away. I would recommend that you start to think about these things. I know that these options are available to you so that when you do pay down that at $300 self and building we talked about. Now you're seeing, okay, well, that's $300. I can take that and put it into a retirement fund or a voluntary contribution when I get to that point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, you know, this age group right here, we've got about 20 years left. We got to make a decision quick. <laughs> but even at that point, right? Because the product that I just talked about, it is a 20, well, the one that I yeah. signed up for is a 20 year commitment. But when you think about it, right? If you started today, if you're 35 to 40 and you decide, okay, I have an extra 300 to whatever hundred dollars that I have left over. Let's say, let's say 300 for the argument's sake. Mm-hmm. I have an extra $300 that I can put aside into a voluntary retirement package such as this. And the, the way it works is you do the $300 every month for the first two years. And then after the first two years, you don't have to contribute anymore, but your initial contribution is set. So it'll just keep doing, like, you know, if your audience is familiar with compound interest, so it's going to continue to earn interest on that first principal oh. um, deposit that you've done. So even if you decide to stop after two years, like after you've done your two-year commitment, you're like, all right, I'm done. I want my $300 back. You have already put in... I don't know the math right now on top of my head, but you have definitely put in well over what you necessarily need to, to get you in a place of having at least a quarter of a million dollars in retirement money. This is obviously, we don't haven't done the numbers on it. Right, right. You can start to see how you can fund your retirement right now without feeling stressed about it. And it's something Mm -hmm. that if you contribute, let's say you're working 35 to 40, you're still of able body and you decide to continue to work throughout that time or you're still earning revenue and you're still able to put that $300 into your retirement package, this this voluntary contribution, over those 20 years, you're going to be way better off than if you decided, nah, I'm not going to do that. Right. I'm just going to continue to use my company's pension or the original pension that I have and try to figure it out. And that's not smart because I'm finding that even at retirement age right now, I guess the payouts that people are getting, it's not enough for them to live in Bermuda. Yeah. And I'm sure in the States is probably no better either. Exactly. (laughs) Wow. Well, you got me excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) You've given me some good tips and things to think about and definitely try to apply to my own finances. Any other thing that you think, Kim, is um, you thinking of? Well, I was going to say, and I know you had mentioned it earlier when you used the analogy of Russian roulette and you said to use terms that was familiar to you. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times, perhaps even in our community, we do not because we know not. Mm -hmm. And we're afraid of the wording. We're terrified. We may not know what compound interest is or Mm -hmm. things of that. And even being in the 40 plus club, you may be embarrassed to even share that information. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what tidbit information or or what guidance would you have for persons who really don't even know the terminology, have no idea of finances, just familiar perhaps with the basic understanding of a budget, paying Mm -hmm. your bills on time and things of that, but truly getting into that concept of 
saving and also investing. What suggestions do you have for the audience? As far as resources go, there's one website that I use called Investopedia. It's kind of like an encyclopedia for investing, right? So mm-hmm. any word that you come across in the financial space, you just type it in to their kind of search function and you'll probably find a really detailed explanation of what that is. And I do get it because I wouldn't say it is embarrassing, but I do understand that feeling of like, you know, I'm at this age, I should know. Yeah. And because I don't know, I won't ask. So that's a really good website to use to kind of get yourself feeling a little bit more confident because if someone uses that term, you don't have to know everything about that particular term, but at least you know that compound interest is this concept of when you put that initial deposit in today versus you do it in five years, the money that you would have put in today is going to be much larger than even if you were to decide to do a larger deposit five years from now. And that's kind of just the basic concept of compound interest, right? But you don't need to know, like, you know, how it all rolls up. You just want to have that basic understanding of it. Another, I guess, resource that I tap into a lot is books. I love books. I'm a bookworm, so I read a lot of books. (laughs) I have a number of books that I would like to recommend to folks. My top three at the moment is The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clausen. I talk about that book a lot because it's a storytelling book. So it's not a book that's your traditional self-help book on finances. It reads like a story. And I feel Mm -hmm. like for me, that was very interesting. It allowed me to think about finances from a different perspective. I didn't necessarily look at it like, okay, these are the five things I need to do in order to get myself doing well with my finances. That's not how the book reads. It kind of gives you so many jams and nuggets in a very easy way, which is why I talk about relatability. That book is very relatable to me, in my view. Another book is The Wake Up Call by Ash Cash. I'm pretty sure this age group is familiar with Mm Jay-Z. And this particular book takes the financial principles that Jay-Z drops in his album 444, which... If you're not like a true hip hop fan, if you're not really listening to the lyrics to kind of dissect Mm -hmm. what he's saying, you might miss a lot of gems that Jay-Z drops on that album. And he does it like most rappers do in a very poetic way. It's really cool how Ash Cash was able to kind of break down what Jay-Z is talking about in that album. And the way Ash Cash writes is very easy to read, is not full of any financial fluff. So he breaks stuff down to whereas when you read it, you feel like, oh, I'm smart. Like, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've read this book. So those would be two books that I feel like if you feel, you know, a little bit apprehensive about taking on finances and putting yourself into a space of, I'm trying to get better at my finances, those two books are very good introductions to warm you up and build your confidence. And then, you know, you may start to tap into some more advanced, air quotes around advanced, books <laughs> that kind of go a little bit deeper and they assume that you know a little bit about finances at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Suggestions, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I mean, I love Jay-Z, so that within itself, I just want to make sure I, that I, I read it. And yeah, I saw a post earlier today. It did that breakdown, one of his verses, and I was like, 
Okay, there was another level to this that I did not mm, get. Mm, like mm-hmm. I understood what the words meant and stuff like that, but when it was broke down even farther, I was like, I thought this man was a genius before, but like I get it, you know. Now I know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely, definitely. Well, Terry, thank you so much for being on our podcast. I love this episode because I'm ready to like do a whole lot of things um, <laughs> that I could have, would have, should have. And, you know, I'm glad Kim asked the question about feeling embarrassed at 40 something and some of the stuff that I just haven't done. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But the tools and the gems that you dropped allowed me to believe that I still got some time to make some changes. <laughs> have time, right. We have time to still get it. So absolutely, you, Terry. You're most welcome. You're most welcome. <laughs> and I like to say, um, every day above ground is a blessing. So if you're six feet above, like there's plenty for you to still be able to do. So I feel like that's one thing people should take away from listening to this episode is that it's never too late to get started. Never feel like because you don't know that you can't ask a question, because if you don't ask a question, you'll never know. So you'll always be in that state of, I don't have the answer. So just ask a question. Even if you got to ask it on the slide, mm-hmm. sign up our burner account and send in your DM, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> well, tell everyone where they can find you. I'm definitely going to put all your details in the show notes, but tell where everybody can find you. Absolutely. So I am on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. My handle is at Terry Too Cool. That's T-E-R-R-I, the number two, K-O-O-L. I do like social media, so I am probably on one of those platforms. So if you reach out to me, I will likely see it. You can also email me, which is terryk at terrytoocool.com. I'll give all that information to Sherry and Kim so they can include it in the show notes. And I do have a podcast. And so if you're looking for some more financial tidbits and, you know, someone to kind of break some of these things down to you in a, like what I like to say, palatable (laughs) way, definitely head over to my podcast. It's a Sovereign Life podcast. And I'm really excited to talk about this because I feel like our community deserves this and this is how we're going to break down that racial wealth gap. So as many times as I can have this conversation with whoever wants to have it with me, I'm absolutely open to it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) We appreciate it. (laughs) Awesome. Give thanks. I appreciate being on this episode. Thank you. Hey Tribe, wasn't that a great episode? We learned how to shift our minds and stop having negative self-talk like I don't have it, I don't want to pay this bill, to also having money mantras such as success is my birthright, I am grateful to pay this bill on time. And when you start shifting your mind from a place of lack of poverty to that of wealth, that's when it becomes easier. That was a key point that Teresa said in this episode, as well as tracking your spending at least once a week or once a month and budget what you earn and make sure that you spend every dollar. So when she said that, I was like, what is she talking about? Meaning any disposable income, you can put it into other saving um, schemes. So if you want to reach out to Teresa, please email her at terryk at terrytoocool.com. That's T-E-R-R-I-K at T-E-R-R-I, the number two, K-O-O. 
O-L.com. And you can reach her at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Terry Tukul. That's T-E-R-R-I, the number two, K-O-O-L on all of those social media platforms. And she's got a YouTube channel, Miss T-K-M-S. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for joining us this week on Giving Head, the podcast. And make sure you check us out on Instagram and Facebook for more information on this head episode. And as always, subscribe to the show to catch every new head episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you that good head. See you next time. Ciao for now. Bye.